This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M, and retired Global CX Executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by... Bob Keipel. Uh, we're... It, we're really excited today um, to have David Mingle, Vice President and Global Practice Head, um, Customer Experience at Reputation on the show. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you, Tom. Hello, Bob. Hi, it's good to have you here. Um, let's get started. For those listeners who aren't familiar with Reputation, can you provide us with some background on what your organization does? Yeah, sure. Uh, Reputation is an experience management company. We help our customers listen to their customers anywhere. They are talking about your brand, your products or services, whether that be in social, on reviews, surveys, text, voice through your call center, any communication channel where your customers are talking, we can listen. And then we take that feedback, whether it's structured data through you know, typical surveys or unstructured like verbatims, and uh, we have a pretty powerful insights engine that can find actionable insights and then a workflow uh, module that allows us to route those insights in real time to the people in your organization that need to know and hopefully are empowered to act on that data. Okay, thank you. And so uh, before uh, I let Tom even get a word in edgewise here, I want to ask a follow-up <laughs> question here. Um, how do you, uh, why would a customer engage with you? How do you find clients? Um, do they have a burning need or is it something they want to upgrade or how, what's the typical scenario for you? Well, you know, customer experience is a big deal um, right now. Um, everyone understands that competing on products alone is, is, is not a winning strategy, that you've got to uh, package those products with world-class experiences that go with it. Think, think of Starbucks. Ultimately, what they sell is a cup of coffee, but somehow they've figured out through the experience they provide to get you to pay 4 or $5 for that same cup of coffee. You could probably buy at McDonald's for half that price or make for yourself for less than a dollar. So experience is a big deal. So, And it's true across every uh, industry that we participate in, especially now with digital becoming a bigger and bigger deal. Um, the experiences that you can provide are transforming. They're changing so fast that if companies aren't paying attention to it, they're simply going to get left behind. Thanks. Now, you, 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 the first time I've ever seen a job title like yours, a vice president I've heard before, customer experience I've heard before, but global practice had, and put it all together, vice president and global practice had of customer experience at reputation, what what does that what does that role involve? Yeah, yeah, no, um, uh, yeah, Tom, not not necessarily the most clever of, it of titles. But that's off the that's what we came it. up with. All right, it's huge. Yeah, I yeah. like it. I do too. So, um, as, as vice president, I'm part of the executive team, 
but I'm specifically responsible for building our competence as a world-class CX company. And we're doing that in three ways. One, establishing reputation as a leader in, in CX, not just in theory on how to do CX, but as a guy um, in working with Bob in a prior life, who sat in the chair of many of our customers actually trying to do CX within a company. So to be that person that can work with our clients to translate you know, the, um, the best practices into practical practices that can be implemented within a company. Um, and to help CXOs, bottom line, build world-class uh, CX organizations on their own. Second, I'm an internal coach and mentor. So I work daily with just about every department in our company to build CX mindsets and behaviors. Because after all, we can't be a best-in-class partner to our customers if we don't practice what we preach internally. And third, and, and of course, probably the most obvious, uh, we are a for-profit company. So that all of that needs to translate into growing our CX business. Uh, so I work with the sales teams, with new customers, but also making sure that our customer success and support organizations have what they need to retain and grow our business with our current customer base. So trying to be good stewards ourselves of, of, and, and demonstrate best practices with what we do and how we treat our customers and hopefully um, have that be experience that can translate into great experiences we can help our customers create for themselves. So you have kind of a neat job in that you look across different industries and, and maybe even different companies in the same industry. Um, what do you, uh, and you work in industries like automotive, hospitality, senior living, retail, and others. What are the similarities and differences you're seeing as far as what these industries need in order to work to improve their customer experience? Are there commonalities or are they just different? Well, they're certainly different in certain ways, but, um, and great question, by the way, Bob. But what I have found is that the basics of great CX are similar regardless of the industry. The best CX programs that I've seen understand that uh, CX success requires three things, mindsets, behaviors, and technology. Mindsets, of course, is all about building a culture, right? A uh, culture that puts the customer in the center. And that requires a clear strategy. So I work with our customers to help validate their strategy, refine it, and if need be, help them create it from, from the start. And that strategy needs to be aligned with the company's overall strategy and brand promise so that everyone, all the way down to the front line, up to the CEO, have a, a pretty clear idea of, of the value of the CX strategy and how it will help them achieve their overall business objectives. Next is behaviors, or more simply put, how you operationalize your CX culture. So do companies, in fact, require customer feedback to be part of how the company makes decisions? Uh, are, are they holding their teams accountable for um, achieving the, the CS objectives that they've set? Because bottom line, you know, leadership can say all they want about their customer-centric culture, but if people don't see them actually running the company based on the feedback they're getting from customers, then and all of that is really worth nothing at all. And last, of course, is, is technology. And um, it may be, and I, and I, I I say it last intentionally because CX programs, in my observation, don't fail very often because of technology. They fail really because of a lack of alignment, strategic alignment, and a lack of leadership within the company to make CX a, a priority. But of course, you know, technology is super, super important. It's the only way to scale a CX program 
And that requires, you know, enterprise grade software that is able to listen to customers anywhere on any device, you know, find actionable re- insights, like I mentioned uh, before in real time and get those insights to the people that can act. Just give you a quick, quick example. Um, we have one automotive OEM customer where we process north of 5 million customer survey responses a year. That same OEM has more than 20,000 daily active users using our platform at the OEM themselves and across the dealer network um, to find insights and to put those insights into action. And the only reason why that many people would do that is because they realize that good CX can uh, generate more sales and retain more customers coming back to the service line. But there is complete alignment with the objectives, the strategy, and the technology to make that happen. So how do you, you know, working with clients um, from different industries and different organizational cultures, how do you get them to commit to that and actually do it? I mean, in principle, I totally agree with you, but you and I know the real world doesn't necessarily operate that way. I'm so glad you're asking that because I was wondering the same thing. Like, how do you avoid that program of the week? Or if if you see a leader that's really not doing it, what do you do? Yeah. The territorial, you know, the territories of the organization, you know, the unwillingness to share information. How, how do you, and that's got to be the toughest nut to crack, isn't it? Um, yeah, and I've got the stars and scars to. Uh, I'm glad to you have both. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there, there's, there's some. Um, I mean, there is no, uh, you know, textbook you can go, you know, buy that's going to tell you exactly how to do it within your company because those dynamics, the politics, the technology requirements, the budget, the alignment with objectives across the different factions or business units within the company are, are a big deal. But bottom line, you gotta you gotta show the company the money. So you've got to be very targeted in how you build your roadmaps and pick those experiences that you're going to go after that um, if remedied, if fixed, uh, most of the organization should recognize that that's, that adds value and then tie those changes to metrics that matter to the rest of the organization. So if you um, can tie, for example, an improvement in an MPS score In our case, we have a proprietary score called reputation score, and we can tie that to uh, improved uh, leads through your digital sites or improved sales in your dealerships or or retention in your service lanes in an automotive context. Then we can quantify that X units of improvement in your scores can yield X dollars coming in the door. And as soon as people get their arms around that, then all of a sudden it means a lot more than just um, you know, being better in, in customer satisfaction, which intuitively all, we all kind of think drives more revenue or should drive better retention, but you've really got to take the time to do the analysis and show with the, ac- the company's actual data that in fact, one lever pulls the other. Great, great response. Um, m- much of what reputation does relies on computer algorithms and automation. Can you talk a little bit about the, the intersection and overlap of the, the systems and the, the humans making contact with customers? How do you coach clients to find the right mix? Yeah, no, that's a super good point, Tom. Um, and as I talked about, you know, we consume millions of pieces of customer feedback every year across just about every channel you can think of. And our technology is tuned to find actionable insights from that data 
And we have workflows, of course, that are built into the technology to route those insights to the right, right people. But no matter how good uh, our insights engine is, it still requires a human being to decide what's the next best, next best action with a customer. And that's really where leadership comes in, is empowering the front line to take that piece of feedback that the computer may have generated, uh, overlay what they actually know about the situation with the customer, or, or what perhaps the company knows about that customer. Is the customer a high lifetime value customer? Is the customer demonstrating uh, potential defection uh, characteristics? Or are they a first-time buyer? Each of those may require a slightly different or maybe an entirely different handling of how that same survey response may come back. So you've got to empower the front line and let them go ahead and, um, and, and try. Um, now, I wouldn't recommend that you go too big too fast. As I mentioned before, find an issue uh, in the customer journey that you can know you you can resolve. Focus on the big rocks, you know, the big issues, and then uh, peel back that onion, if you will, to look at at lower levels of, of granularity. Um, but just in, but always balance the fact that you don't have to respond to every little thing that a customer says. Uh, you got to look for the things that matter most to the customer, but also matter ma most. <laughs> excuse me, matter most. <laughs> to the organization. And when you find that, that's the right balance. And when you get that experience to where you think you've got it optimized, you can start looking for the next opportunity. CX is never done, right? It's it's a game of whack-a-mole. So once you fix the, the, the experiences that are today's big problems, other experiences will start to emerge as, as your next opportunity. And it becomes a, an iterative process of continuing to, to listen, look, and, and, and take action. Based on your experience, um, David, in your world, what are the best kind of people to be working on CX in order to help your clients? What kind of background and skills should they have? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, now, my, my background is, is finance, so probably I, I lean a little bit more towards someone who is uh, curious, uh, wants to help try, really try to figure things out as fact-driven. But ultimately, you've got to have passion. Um, for the space, you got to really understand CX and 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 believe it matters to an organization to really want to go do it. Um, you've got to be curious um, because there's never the, the obvious answer is is hardly ever the right answer, right? You've got to be willing to ask the five whys and really dissect a journey, dissect the data to really find out what the root causes are, and that just takes people that are passionate and curious and, and willing to ask good questions. And ultimately, as Tom brought up earlier. Um, it takes courage. Um, you, you, th this is a change management uh, challenge as much as it is an analytics or a, uh, a technology issue. You've got to be able to motivate the, co the company to believe that CX is the right thing to do and then lead them along the way to get there. And there are going to be a lots of places where you're going to succeed and lots of places you're going to get knocked down, but you just got the courage to get back up because it's the right thing to do and figure out you know, how to work through those roadblocks. I'm so glad that, you know, you touched on the topic of linking um, customer uh, outcomes or customer experience outcomes to financial, um, organizational financial outcomes, because that seems to be the key linchpin right now in the CX space. So when, when I talk to people, what's the number one issue that everyone wants to uh, resolve or talk about that seems to be that seems to be the issue 
Because to your point, if you can't get the attention of C-suite, the C-suite and get them to understand the value of the experience and be able to tie that to financial outcomes, you're kind of wasting your time, right? Yeah, yeah I, I see um, kind of three in, in broad strokes, three things that, that CX organization, organizations do. They either start too small and they pick off low-hanging fruit that may create a lot of activity, but doesn't create a lot of value. On the other hand, I see CX groups that start way too big and they try to eat the elephant all at once. Mm -hmm. So in that case, the finance guys in particular, senior leadership, see a lot of money being spent, but mm -hmm. they, 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 their patience wears out before that investment actually uh, yields some real outcomes. Mm -hmm. What you want to be is somewhere in between, right? So you, you pick a roadmap where, you, where in six or nine month chunks of time, certainly no more than that, you can uh, very tightly uh, design or redesign the experience, measure the heck out of it, and demonstrate that you can bring value early and often. And the more you do that, the more it, it gives you the right to ask for bigger investment and more involvement of the company over time. Um, at least that's, uh, that's what I've seen has worked, is trying to find that right spot right in the middle. Yeah, I like that approach. That's awesome. Well, thanks, David. It's been great having you on the show. I think I'm sure there's a lot more we could talk about. Um, we'll have to have you back. Maybe um, we can even do a special episode on change management because uh, that 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 is an issue that a lot of organizations struggle with as it relates to CX. That'd be great, Tom. Uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, we would be glad to come on back. And thanks again, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show. Those of you that thought you were tuning into the Bob and Tom show, I apologize. <laughs> That's way better. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.